creative writers. Do you know what this sound means? Do you know what time it is? That's right. It's the time of year where dickbags from Wisconsin grow their beards. Little children wander the streets hoping for treats, not a bag of meat. It's time for all you creepy folks to submit a show idea to Spooky Spokes. <laughs> That's right. Creative Writing's yearly listener submission show is only, I don't know, what, like three weeks away? You better get your scary stories in before you meet your dog. <laughs> Was that good? Tobor, what did that sound like to you? Uh, if you had a guess based on anything, what, I, what I'm talking about right now. Yes, it sounds like election day in the United States of America. Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the podcast that's like that missing 10 millimeter, but you kind of wish you never found it. Somehow you did, and like our supporters on Patreon, you too can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash creative writing. While you're at it, head over to our Zazzle store and check out our merch there by searching Creative Writing Podcast. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere else except for TikTok and Ding Dong, because we ain't going to go there, but on Twitter we are. And Tumblr, thanks, bye. Welcome to Creative Writing, the best podcast you're listening to right now. Unless, of course, you have two devices running and you're listening to two podcasts simultaneously. In which case, the other one is probably better. <laughs> That's right, everybody. Welcome back to Creative Writing, the Internet's number one podcast right here in your local hometown of East Fresburg. And hey... Tobor, what's up with Reaper? Uh, it's almost like... Never mind. Tobor, what day of the week is it? Wednesday. Why Why is it Wednesday? Why are we not on um, on Sunday nights anymore on the on a GSXR 600 FM The Squid here in uh, Burbank? They filled the time slot with a monkey playing motorcycle-themed polka on just a pair of thumb cymbals. Right. And that happened to us before when we went up there. And now that's just what's going to happen to us. Uh, er, like, are we no longer on that station? Like, I don't know why. Uh, I don't know what's going on. First of all, did we lose that spot? Yeah. Okay. Well, since you're in charge of negotiations, you're actually, I, I've put Tobor in um, charge of a lot of things, actually. I put him in charge of our. Uh, our Discord uh, channels, if you want to check out friends, artists, writers, and throttle junkies on Discord. Uh, Tobor is in there all the time. I am not. And also the Creative Writing Patreon page. Tobor is in there all the time. I am not. So Tobor has been in there. Tobor is in charge of our contract negotiations, which I probably, I thought AI would really benefit me. I'm not real, like, good negotiator. So I thought you would actually do a better job of me. And now we've lost every gig. Uh that we had locally and we're just down to back. We're back, uh, in the Moto one trash can here. Um, 
And also, yeah, I mean, I I haven't been doing so great either in my personal life. I heard you've lost your part-time gig Tuesdays at Tito's Topless Tempanade, Tacos and Titty Tavern. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was... Uh, I did a little post about it on Instagram, but then I erased it. I was like, we don't, I don't need to bring, I don't need to bring Tito's into the mix. Um, but yeah, I used to dance there uh, on Tuesdays for Taco Tuesday there at Tito's Topless Tampanade uh, Tacos Bar and Titty Tavern um, over in Toluca Lake. A lot of teas. Um, but anyway, yeah, I used to shake my money maker there, and uh, every Tuesday make a little extra scratch, which was uh, why we had to give up. Recently, uh, due to COVID, I had to go back to dancing there. I hadn't danced there in quite a while. Um, and yeah, now uh, they've had to shut again. We're, we're entering round two of some lockdowns. By the way, I've seen other countries, I think. I follow some people on uh, Twitter that are in Australia and and, in, and uh, the UK, I should say. Uh, and they were headed over the border because I guess they're going into round two of lockdowns. Uh, I want to say it was in... In Englandshire, they were headed into round two of lockdowns, and they were going to run over. Um, they weren't letting them out of like a region or a city um, past like six hundred or six o'clock was the cutoff. So they had to go do a, a do a dirty run like Smokey and the Bandit and get some beer and come back, um, you know, before before the law cracked down on them. So I was like, wow, there's some real Smokey and the Bandit shit, like where people are making beer runs over county lines because. Uh, lockdown on doing it all on motorbikes so they can zip through traffic across the green lane and get back in time. So I thought that was pretty funny and pretty cool. Um, here I saw some uh, pictures. There's, uh, I'll tell you what's been going on, what I've seen, which isn't very much motorcycle related, by the way. Um, despite the fact that I've had my, I've been buried up to my eyeballs in motorcycle stuff. It's all been work related. So I haven't seen any fun, great, cool stuff. I got two August issues of, um, AMA magazine, which I barely, I usually get time to read May in, in like September. Like I, I think I read half of May's, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So the fact that I got two August and then immediately after two Septembers, I can already tell you, I got the rest of my year planned out for me as far as reading goes. Plus, um, I have seen Narissa, our one of our patrons, um, who also doesn't live too far from Chris, another one of our patrons, and Chad, a third one of our patrons. Um, all of them living up there in beautiful Wisconsin. And she was in a beanie with, uh, I mean, I think they just always wear beanies in Wisconsin. I'm not 100% sure. But it looked from this picture, like it was fall time there, which I really, 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 um, especially this year, I really, hang on. Oh my God. Do not eat a habanero burrito and then toot in the studio. <laughs> Woohoo! Tobor, good thing you don't have nasal sensors, um, on your, yeah, whatever, your head. Um, anyway, so I've seen Narissa in a beanie, and I'm assuming that means it's ch- going to get chilly. And it is October, I mean, I guess. Oh, yeah, welcome to October. Um, so on last week's show, we, I guess there wasn't even a show last week. You still, you didn't tell me we had got canceled from GSXR 600 FM, the, the squid. I just showed up there, and my badge didn't work, um, and you were nowhere, nowhere to be found. And so I just came back home and cried in a bowl of uh, fish soup, fish head soup to be specific, not just fish soup. That's gross. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Tobor. So I don't know a hundred percent what's going on. What, what, you know, 
everything's changing and everything's like the, the end of 2020 is nearing. It's almost here. So I'm super stoked for that. Um, the winter uh, has not hit here. It's still like 40,000 degrees. Um, it's really hot this week. So needless to say, I'm slightly jealous that I saw her in a be- beanie drinking beer out of a giant football helmet, which I'm guessing it's football season. Um, I'm not really into ball sports, but um, yeah. So ex- unless you're uh, unless that sport is me uh, slapping my balls around on the stage at Tito's for extra money on Tuesdays. Um, so yeah. So anyway, hard scrabble life here at Creative Writing. We've been losing all sorts of gigs left and right. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's shut down and what isn't. I just learned the other day that uh, we entered a second round of lockdowns in July. I had no idea. Like I didn't see it personally, and I don't watch the news that much uh, except to find out like exactly how hot or cold it's going to be in the studio or uh, recently how smoky it's going to be. So yeah, so I'm a little bit jealous that fall is in the air. Uh, I did just go on a ride this last weekend with Wiggins and uh, I think me and him are going to actually try and get together. He got a new bike, got a new uh, street legal bike finally. Um, All his other bikes are um, track, you know, relegated. And so he finally got a street legal one. I mean, I don't know if it's street legal. He rode it on the street. Let's put it that way. And it's pretty sick, dude. That thing is pretty dope. Um, so, yeah. So I went riding with him and a couple of his buddies that are really cool and nice. And I hope we get a ride together again. Uh, really fun ride up to, up to Mount Baldy, which was like the only place not on fire. The only hills not on fire around me anyway. Uh, a couple weekends ago, I was up in Big Bear Lake. And the uh, El Dorado fire, which was set off by that gender reveal party, God, like a month ago now or a month and a half ago, was still going, and it is still going up there on that side. The Bobcat fire, which threatened us and actually shut us down for a week here, um, was uh, actually left for a bit, and it's been very nice this entire week. And then this weekend it came back. So I was like, what the hell? I thought it burned everything over here, but nope. It's found a way back, and I, I think it's moving its way it's making a zigzag across the wilderness, uh, one mile over for every mile it goes back. And so in like two days, it'll be at Wiggins house. It's ping ponging back and forth. Um, and it'll be at Wiggins house in like a few days because it's like I said, making a zigzag trail. Mm, it's finding something to burn. But anyway, so it's crappy skies again and you can't see the mountain again. And I'm just, I'm worried about the two baby because the two, is where we're going to be going up for the New Year's ride, which uh, the way 2020 came in and it felt like March. No, it already felt like February. There was a lot of jokes about February feeling like it was 42 days long and then March hit, right? And so as slow and painful as this year has been, uh, the end of it is just coming up and flying by. So it's like, holy crap. So what I'm worried about is that A, this fire won't be out by December, um, cause that's how these Southern California fires go. Sometimes they burn, um, that one fire that burned over by the Getty two years ago or whatever it was burned for six months and it burned all the way up the coast from LA County up to South of the Santa Cruz. You know what I'm saying? It burned the whole, I forget what it was called. It wasn't the complex fire. I don't think, but it was a pretty complex fire, but yeah, it burned the whole West coast. That was just a couple of years ago. We've been getting some mad rain stuff grew up and burned out again. So, um, yeah. So anyways, I, the, the main point of all this is that, uh, I hope the Bobcat fire that's burning now it's flaring up. I can see it right from my, uh, 
backyard. Oops, sorry, Tobor. Turn you down a little bit. There we go. Um, yeah, it's burning right outside my backyard. Um, I can see it up on the hill. And what else I can see is Mount Wilson and basically the, the two. Uh, I can see the underbelly of the two. If that burns and there's a bunch of um, – this has happened before with the station fire in 2009 and a couple other times. Um, I mean, it's burned again. It, that, that hill's burned like every other year. Um and so in 2009, when the station fire went through, the two was closed for, I want to say, two years. Because, uh, like I said before, I think last weekend or the weekend, the show before, uh, that is not used that much. It's not like a major highway like it used to be to get across the mountains anymore. It's this tiny mountain highway that connects, you know, the top of the mountains. Who lives up there? It's National Forest, not really anybody. So uh, at any rate... Um, there's not, needless to say, there's not a whole bunch of reason for them to go sink a bunch of funds into it if it does burn and then gets covered by a bunch of landslides, which is exactly what happened when the station fire hit. It wasn't so much that the fire burnt the road, although the fire did scorch the road several times, uh, and it burnt the pavement and wrecked the pavement. Um, and then also the hillsides had no vegetation. So when it rained, it washed away and there goes the road. The road washed away too. It's a very steep and hilly uh, area. So that's what I'm worried about is the New Year's ride uh, that I've gone on. I've tried to go on every year since I've lived in LA and uh, took Wiggins on a couple times and he loved it. And uh, we're going, I, I hope we can do it again this year. So I hope the two, I hope the fire's out by December. First of all, I hope it's not like the complex fire or whatever the hell that was that burned all the way for six months. Um, and then I hope it's not, um, land slid and shut down, uh, after the fire. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll see how much rain we get. We don't usually get that much rain, uh, in December, but so hopefully, um, I think that happened to me and Wiggins, uh, two years ago, we went riding up there for the new year's ride, got a bunch of rain in February and there's a bunch of landslides and they closed the two. So February is when it rains. Um, I think we'll be good as long as the fire's out by December and it hasn't damaged any of the roads. We'll be good to go. Um, so yeah, uh, that's happening still. And, um, yeah, so we, this weekend we headed East up to Mount Baldy and there was no fires up there. So it was kind of nice to ride up into the hills. It's not quite as far of a ride as uh, Azusa is or as um, uh, Newcomb's Ranch is, but it's a little something. You know, it's a, it's a little cruise up into the, some, some hills. So we did that, and it was really nice. Um, cruised Route 66 on the way back, which is always fun to do. And, uh, yeah, it was just really good to see wigs. I've really been missing wigs. Um, I haven't hardly – I've – maybe talked to him once. We texted a few times. I dropped some stuff off, um, for his kid. You know, I dropped her off one of our cool coloring books that our patrons got back when all this first, uh, hit, I made a, pa- a coloring book for Patreon, Patreon, and then, uh, actually printed it up. Um, I don't know if it's cool. Ask our patrons. Maybe it sucks, but anyways, I dropped one off to, to him then. And so it's li- literally just been me dropping off a few things like, my family, we made some um, tie-dye shirts. I made one for his daughter and dropped it off. You know, we made these uh, little toys and some um, coloring books, dropped them off. So that's been my only interaction with Wiggins besides chatting once in a while. So super, super, super good to see him. Make sure he hasn't lost any of that be- beautiful Wigginsness 
and uh, get out and ride with him. And we had, we had a blast. And um, I'll tell you what, on his new bike, he can't keep the front wheel down. That's uh, Wiggins, I'm sorry. I had to say it. You can't, though. Um, so anyway, that's what's been going on with me. Also, uh, there's a ton of motorcycle news, tons of crazy stuff. Um, this, uh, let me play this little, little snippet right here. This ought to clue you in onto one thing that's going down. Um, two strokes are for white fucking trash. That's back. The boys from Nokomoto have made a triumphant return. I just checked my podcatchers yesterday and was pleasantly surprised to see Nokomoto is back after a three-month hiatus. Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, they keep me in the dark at Podcast One, but I heard them, uh, I mean, at, at, at Moto One Podcast Network. Um, Podcast One is not my network. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I, I heard them acing some interns. Um and so I don't know if they got interns from Moto One or if they're part of Moto One anymore. I haven't heard Jack squat. Moto One has been pretty quiet since the uh, the whole summertime thing going down. Uh, like every every podcast on that station has gone under. They haven't helped us all uh, with the our podcast. So I, I don't know what's going on. So I'm glad to see the Nokomoto boys back. I really have missed uh, missed them. I almost just sent a text to. Uh, MotoGP the other day just to see how they're doing, and then lo and behold, bam, I see their podcast. So it doesn't mean I'm not going to text them. It just means that I know that they're back and and doing okay. So uh, that made the news. Um, uh, Motorcycle shows had a conference uh, this last week. And, uh, it was like a press conference and I, you know, later that day they made the press release. So I guess I don't need to tell you what was in the webinar friggin' zoom meeting, by the way, I hate zoom meetings. Um, I hate all meetings. I have so many meetings at work, uh, WebEx and zoom and, uh, boy scout season has started for old junkie. So also, uh, that's another reason I probably won't be, I will be an absentee. Uh, because of Boy Scouts, I got to put a whole bunch of time into that and make it all digital. And I've seen my wife try to turn her classroom into a digital environment and how much work that is. So I'm sure Boy Scouts can be awesome uh, trying to, you know, wrangle kids. (laughs) 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 Trying to wrangle kids over the internet. And uh, make sure everybody, you know, is paying attention. That's going to be fun. I see how bored my kids are when they're watching their teachers. So sh- short of uh, slaughtering a chicken on screen, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep anybody's attention. So I'm going to have to do some wild stuff. I'm going to dress like a village idiot to get them to pay attention. But anyways, so that's going to be taking up a lot of my time now too uh, on top of work, which I mean, it's like 12.45 in the evening. Uh, well, I guess that's morning now. And uh, yeah, I'm still technically at work prepping stuff for tomorrow. So uh, yeah, work's been really crazy. Um, it was really nice to get out with wigs and do a ride. I've been going on rides a couple times a week. But I mean, when you're doing like a five-mile ride into town to pick up food and then riding home, that's not really a ride, you know what I'm saying? Like that's an errand. So it was really, really good to get away and just forget about um, – if you don't get out right now and get away from your house a little bit, if you can. I mean, if you're not on like complete lockdown where you're not allowed to even step outside your, your lawn um, – 
or if you're not too busy rioting and stuff like that or protesting. And, um, I mean, those, those people are getting out more than I am. Okay. I'm a little bit jealous of that. I almost joined a protest just so I could get outside. But yeah, if you're stuck at home, I have to say like my mind never left work and never left my kids school and, uh, house chores. Like that's all I've been thinking about lately. Um, haven't really been working on any of the bike stuff I wanted to get done. Uh, everything got put on hold right now. I'm going to tell everybody right around, uh, June, everything got put on hold. So anything I was doing with any motorcycles, I've quit doing since June. I haven't touched anything since June, except for, uh, scrambler scrambler to ride into town and pick up food on it. Um, my car battery went dead because I quit driving my car in February and I would come out and start it once in a while and, uh, yeah, it was already cranking crappily back before the pandemic. I kind of felt then like, Oh, I might need a new battery soon. So guess what? It's like done. I boiled it trying to recharge it. I was like, Nope, there's no water in it. Like it's done. It's a, I think it almost lasted 10 years though. So I can't complain about that. It had a 2012 sticker on it and it was only supposed to be good for three years. So I guess I got five extra years out of it. Um, 12, 13, 14. Actually, I got about six extra years out of it. Um, so anyways, long story short. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been nuts around here. Um, so a lot of stuff got put on hold and I'm just, uh, the year is sneaking up and I'm just glad to see other people are doing some great, cool fun SH a T shit. All right. Uh, what else? Oh yeah. So my, the whole, the whole spiel, what was I talking? Oh yeah. Talk about zoom meetings. That's how I got onto this ramble here. Let me, uh, let me rewind a little bit. Mm-hmm. What? No, rewind. Play the rewind. No, play the rewind. Rewind. God damn it. Toeboard. You're fired. Tobor, please have some dignity, man. Um, so the whole thing that got me on this rant, <laughs> God, was a stupid IMS me- Zoom meeting. Uh, is it easy for me to rant? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, <laughs> I just can't. I just can't stand topic. I'm sorry, Tobor. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you laugh at yourself, you idiot. Um, so anyway, yeah, the whole thing that got me off this topic on this rant was the, the Zoom meeting that IMS put out. IMS put out Zoom meeting announcing, and they already put out a press release, so I'm sure you saw it, uh, that the IMS has been canceled this year, which sucks for Sweet Talker Brady Walker because last year he just got that gig as uh, he does like sound and lighting and production, show production. So he got a gig last year, not only running the Classic Track Days vintage booth, at I, the vintage bike experience at IMS uh, as a partner, but he also got the gig like setting it up and doing the wiring and sound and, and lighting and all that stuff. So I thought, oh shit, he's got it made. He's gonna, He traveled around to every venue last year and got paid, y'all. And then I was like, oh no, it's not happening this year. Um, and then shortly, uh, a week later, so, like, just a few days ago, AIM also canceled, uh, and they were slated for January. So people are already looking a few months from now, canceling crap th- then. Um, I'm just hoping, you know, I'm hoping 2021, I'm hoping the new year, I'm hoping that Christmas, I'm hoping that New Year uh, ends all this stuff and kind of um, 
don't know. I hope it's a break. I hope it's a new beginning. I make a New Year's resolution. I don't make resolutions. I just, I change stuff right now, but I can't really change the COVID situation right now. But I do hope that this Christmas, uh, things chill and don't get worse with flu season and all that great stuff and lowered immune systems bringing on who knows what, right? So I'm really hopeful that we have a fresh start in 2021. But I can't help but notice that a lot of stuff in the early part of the year is already getting canceled. I can't blame them. Shit, you know, the Ohio uh, vintage days, they were like holding out hope. I'm surprised Sturgis happened, and I'm surprised if they haven't got sued by somebody now or something crazy like that. Um, And I'm really surprised at any bike thing that has happened this year. I know... uh, um, Mama tried is usually like in February, right? And flat out Friday and all that stuff. So I'm wondering if that's going to still plan on going because that's what happened last year that got cut cut short uh, right when all this was going down. Um, so we'll see if it happens again next year. Also, Born Free canceled this year. Everything canceled. So it's just crazy what's what's already canceling for 2021. And I'm pretty sure that AIM was slated for January, so that is kind of cutting it close, but we'll see. Uh, at least racing's on, which is kind of cool, but they're, you know, they got ways to do that. And, uh, what else did I see in the news regarding motorbikes that is, uh, interesting? Oh yeah. So the IMS thing, AIM getting canceled, you know, that's a bummer. IMS getting canceled, um... It's a huge bummer, but they said in December they're going to announce, make some announcements because IMS is going outdoors and supposedly it's been five years in the making. And uh, one of my coworkers has been hearing rumors that they might be doing away with IMS and like they've been keeping, you know, they've been having issues with running it and like, you know, um, I don't know, it used to have like 12 shows, and I saw it get reduced down to seven. We've been having hard economic times. The motorcycle industry in general has been shrinking somewhat. That's been a big topic for the last couple of years um, on like every motorcycle podcast. And so what I am and what and what's been happening during COVID too, which is kind of crazy, is uh uh power sports um for the last like three years or four years, side-by-side sales have been on the rise. So if you're Honda, well, Honda just released the Talons last year at the Motor Show, (laughs) ironically enough. So if you're actually Yamaha, Kawasaki, or Polaris, or Can-Am, I guess, you've had it made because not only do you have quads, you also have side-by-sides forever. And, um, uh, so Suzuki has quads too, but they didn't got no side-by-sides and side-by-sides is what's been growing. And also during the pandemic, off-road motorbikes grew. The off-road segment in general basically kept the motorcycle industry afloat. And so we saw Harley Davidson's rewire go into the hardwire this year as they started facing some real, uh, social economic and mostly economic setbacks, um, and they had to go into like recovery mode and reset mode. And now I don't even know what's going on. And hardly anybody has announced 2021 bikes. Uh, it's kind of like everyone shit canned everything. But what they haven't shit canned is 2021 quads, side by sides, dirt bikes. So the off road industry has really been powering uh, those manufacturers. So that's why you have seen brands like Honda um, and KTM and Suzuki and Kawasaki and Yamaha specifically. Um, not fester um, and 
be hung up on all these like non-sales. And then brands like Ducati and BMW that were really small, like they got they they are hurting right now. And I'm sure like Energica and Zero and all the other small brands, they're hurting right now. But um, they were a very small portion of the market to begin with. So it's not like they're like you know, their 20% is like seven models compared to like if Yamaha or Harley or someone like that lost 20%. We're talking like hundreds of thousands of models, right? So, um, yeah, really only the, only the street brand, uh, street bike brand, um, companies like Indian and Harley are going to be suffering, um, because of the, uh, the sales, you know, and people, the people, a lot of people lost jobs. I think like, 30 million people filed for unemployment. We're back 10 million, so that's good, but we're, that leaves us a 20 million deficit right now. So there's 20 million people that had other things like electricity and food to worry about uh, than motorcycles. So I think it is cool that the um, off-road segment period, people were spending stimulus checks and extra money, and those people that did have essential jobs that could still afford stuff can afford off-road stuff, I guess. So um, that's a you know that's a positive. And the side-by-side sales weren't even affected. And it's a lot of people buy those for recreational and farm and hunting as well as a cheap car. (laughs) You know, you can drive them around in places like Arizona and I think on the many places like Connecticut and Vermont and stuff. You can just put a plate on them, I'm pretty sure. I know in Arizona you can, but I'm pretty sure there's a few other states where you can do that. And, uh, hey, guess what? You got not only a, a fun like off-road car better than a jeep uh because you might not have to insure it the same way um but yeah for a cheaper wait like half the price so i think a lot of people were going that route not only for recreation but for family fun and where you can use it transportation um so i think that's why the side-by-sides really haven't suffered and they've been actually overtaking the motorcycle well they've been growing and soon to overtake the motorcycle market uh, pretty soon, I think. Um, you know, if you're going to spend twenty thousand bucks, is it going to be on a CBR one thousand RR dash R, or is it going to be on a Honda Talon? You know what I'm saying? So they can fit like four people versus like re- realistically one person. Um, so I think that's what, especially with like uh, a few years ago, millennial spending. And millennials are buying motorhomes, not motorcycles, was like the big worry because millennials want experiences. You're not going to get family experiences. And millennials right now are, you know, 30s. I, I guess old millennials will be like in their early 40s or like ent- uh, late 30s, maybe not 40s. Um, so like late 30s um, and and maybe mid 20s so they're thinking about you know maybe thinking about having families and stuff right now or getting older and uh yeah so that was the whole thing like they're not thinking about you know doing all this crazy stuff with money they don't have and and college debt so yeah i don't know there's there was a whole big thing about um the spending habits in this and that. So I'm glad i'm just glad the power sports industry in general is doing good cuz that means i'm doing good um and brands like Indian and Harley, like I said, are going to be wor- uh, worrisome and like maybe maybe they aren't going to be selling so great. But guess what? Indian's owned by Polaris, who's like psh, blowing up right now. And some of the other big news uh, was also um, Polaris has joined with Zero. They're going to make an electric side-by-side. And also Polaris has a sweet government deal where they're making um, side-by-sides for the military. They're making some stealth shit. And that's, I'm guessing, uh, a couple of Polaris's um, 
money with zeros. I think didn't Harley do that with zero? Or no, no, they did that with uh, what was that? Um, Alta, I think that Harley did that with Alta, maybe. Um, but anyway, they um, yeah. So Polaris and Zero. I hope that doesn't happen with them. But Polaris's uh, money is going to fund some Zero stuff, and they're going to do an electric side by side, from what I've heard. Um, and that might maybe for military purposes, so for stealth mode, and it may be for uh, recreation purposes as well. Um, something to keep in mind too. Um, this is totally not motorcycle related, but it is automobile related. And so it can trickle down into motorcycles. But about a decade ago, people were laughing at Tesla. I don't know how long Teslas have been out, but I don't think it's that long. I know the Tesla Roadster was about, what, 15 years ago? But I think Tesla car company was is only about a decade old, like Facebook and Tesla, same age, I think, roughly. And people were cracking up saying that they hope... I hope this company makes it a year. And now Tesla is out exporting um, all three uh, of the big three American companies, Dodge, um, Ford, and uh, Chrysler, not Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, and Chevy, uh, or GM, General Motors. Um, So yeah, so basically uh, Ford almost went bankrupt as the GM, I believe, back in 2008 when the financial crisis hit. And I think Chrysler has gone bankrupt like 19 times, um, some of them since the 70s. So all, all of them haven't been doing that great. And for people to say, ha, 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 Tesla, I hope you're still around in a year. And now Tesla is not only outselling, but out exporting the big three and having and making more news and getting uh, doing more stuff with their cars. And other people are taking notice, like the big three are taking notice of what Tesla is doing. I think that says something for the electric motorcycle space. The fact that Zero is partnering with Polaris, I think that says something about the motorcycle space. And the fact that... That, yes, uh, Governor Newsom here in the state of California has um, said he's going to he's going to put it. Uh, well, I don't know if they finalized it, but I think he introduced a bill that would outlaw gasoline vehicles by 2035, um, and that gives people what 15 years. And in 15 years, we maybe the way Tesla's going, how they're going in 10 years, uh, give them another 15. Um, and we may see, you know, everybody else copying them anyway. And GM and Ford and all those people are just putting so much crazy um, time and money and research R&D into electric right now. So copying. So they may have been, uh, he may have been doing something that the automakers were doing already anyway, but it's just to incentivize. Uh, so I'm wondering how much of that is going to trickle down into motorbikes. Um, speaking of Zero and Polaris. So, yeah, interesting times, really interesting times. Um, The IMS, uh, to circle back to that, they are – I don't even know how I got to where I am now. I hope you've been along for this ride, uh, this ramble ride, and uh, (laughs) that's what this show is going to be about. Um, So, anyway, IMS is going to be going outdoors this year, and I think this is where I was headed. I think this is how I got to where I just was, talking about side-by-sides and electric vehicles and the whole – the automotive industry in general is that uh, IMS has seen the writing on the wall and to circle back to the comment I made about millennials buying motorhomes, not motorcycles. um, And then if you're going to spend money on a $20,000 motorcycle versus a side-by-side, Polaris is now going to be 
I'm sorry, Blair's. IMS is now going to be IMS Outdoors. And IMS is now no longer going to be the International Motorcycle Shows. I think they're going to be pretty much like the International Motorsport Shows. I think they're rebranding themselves, which is probably smart, given the fact that if you're uh, a motorcycle show, you might as well be a, uh, I don't know, a, a, tuna, a knitting, I don't know, a knitting uh convention or something. I mean, maybe, I don't know how many knitters are out there in the world, but, um, how blankets and shawls unite united or something. But what I'm saying is that if you're going to niche yourself down to just motorcycles in an environment where all of the people that you represent also make other power sports and that's, what's driving their business right now. Yeah, you're dumb. So IMS outdoors is going to be kicking off next summer. It sounds like it's not going to be a tour. And it might be, we'll see. Um, but and I believe they're gonna announce the dates in December. So um, stick around for that. Let's we'll, we'll wait and see that. I'll if I if I hear something, I'll post it um, before that. But um, but I think they're gonna they're going to announce the dates in December, and it's gonna be a summer, maybe a couple summer long tour. Now I don't know where isn't three thousand degrees during the summer, but I guess also if you're gonna have something, you better have it when everybody's out of school and on vacation and whatnot, and uh, make it doable, not just make it um, you know come to Wisconsin when it's nineteen degrees out. You know, the only place you could really enjoy the the motor shows as they were now in the wintertime is here in California, and maybe if they went to Florida, you know. Um, everywhere else is usually pretty cold at that time of year, um, which is what they were banking on. But So now it's going to be a summer show. It's going to be IMS Outdoors. They're going to have um, demo rides that include not just driving around the city of LA or the city of wherever you are. They're going to be, ha- I think they're going to try and post up like, I'm going to guess they're going to go to Moab or, uh, somewhere out in Nevada. Um, AIM had a really good, um, experience in Nevada. Nevada's pretty chill about stuff and there's a lot of off-road recreation stuff out there and they said it's five years in the making. So I'm guessing they knew they needed to expand about five years ago when the side-by-side market started to creep up. Um, but anyways, they're, they're going to include power sports, um, all power sports, side-by-sides, quads, dirt bikes, ADV bikes. You're going to be able to test ride those apparently, uh, from the, the promotional videos that they showed and from how the press release was worded, it sounds like you're going to be able to experience that. The adventure out is going to be much more relevant because instead of having a little moto camping uh, thing set up in a warehouse or in a giant convention center that looks like you're outdoors, they will actually have vendors now be able to set up outdoors and say, hey, look, here's our tent that fits on your bike. Look, here it is out in the wild. Go t- like actually demo it right now. Um, so it sounds actually pretty cool to me, um, but it is just a huge change. It's a huge, huge swing, and I'm not 100% ha- sure how the media aspect is going to work at it. Um, you know, I know if I get to go this uh, w- when it comes – uh, may have to make some crazy travel arrangements. I'll be taking a bevy of uh, field reporters and co-hosts with me, and um, you know, if Wiggins can can get away, uh, he and I will go. We'll take some couple field reporters with us, and I am sure that we will have uh, be able to cover it like like it's supposed to be covered. But uh, just unsure of how it's all going to work. This is the first time I will have ever been, never gone to like cover Overland Expo or anything like that. So I'm not sure if that's how they're going to run this thing. But yeah, f- having media day 
at like a crazy event like that. It just seems interesting. So we'll see. It'll be fun. Fun to check out. Uh, also happening, like I said, AIM getting canceled and rescheduled, and I'm not 100% sure for when. I'm not 100% sure when anything's happening at this point because everybody is on uh, eggshells and pin cushions. That's not right. That's not the saying, but you get what I'm saying. Um, so, yeah, we will keep you updated on what's coming up when. I do know for sure. Here's a couple things that have happened that I know are are happening and like literally you can you can go check them out. Uh, November 1st, which is a Sunday, our buddy Brady Walker, who who will now need the money since he's no longer going to be going to uh, the classic track day. Let's screw that one up. He'll be hosting a classic track day since he won't be going to IMS to run the uh, lighting and sound anymore since they'll be outside and they won't have any lighting um, or sound probably. Uh, he'll need all the money he can get. So please come support him at the classic track day at the streets of Willow. Hey, did that? Oh, yeah, that didn't pick up, did it, huh? Tobor, your hands sound so humanly now. Did you get a new human hand clap? Um, uh, what's it called? Like a clap interface or something? I said yes. It was easy to do. Huh, rad. Did you steal hands off of a human body? <laughs> yeah. Okay. To worse, shut up. He's making the dumbest face. Uh, you, you, for a robot with no face, you're kind of creepy, but you do look funny. All right. So anyway, yeah. So um, classic track day, November 1st. Let's get back on topic to work. Quit doing that, please. Um so Classic Track Day uh, is coming up November 1st. There's going to be an after-race barbecue. It's going to be at the Streets of Willow. It's going to be really good, tight, technical track for small bikes, a lot of fun. It's very cheap. I think it's $125, mostly air-cooled classics and uh, or classic motorcycles and modern air-cooled um you know, air curled modern classics like Harley Davidson's Triumph, stuff like that. You're all welcome. Just go, just do it. Bring some leathers. If you're not going to do it, uh, Brady might be doing his $20 taste of the track, uh, where you pay 20 bucks to get to go out on a very slow cruise ride, just to see what it's like to get out there on the track, see how nice and sticky it is, see how fun it will be to huck your bike around at real speeds with leathers on and get some instruction while you're at it. Uh, so that's Classic Track Day, November 1st, at Streets of Willow Springs in Rosamond, California. Um, another thing going on, by the way, uh, to yesterday, October 6th, was uh, our good friend, Miranda Young. Miranda, do you remember us? Like, I say my good friend, but she probably doesn't even remember us. Um, she has Ghost Biker Explorations Season 3 debuted and premiered yesterday, October 6th. I believe for the whole month of October, she's going to have episodes dropping on uh, Tuesday nights at 6 or 7 Central Time. So check that out on Facebook Live and YouTube. Or Facebook Watch. I don't know how Facebook works anymore, by the way. Facebook keeps changing the interface on me, and and uh, it's different every time I log in. Oh, I should log in more than like once a week, I guess, because that's how often they're changing this thing. So anyway, uh, I think you can watch. I think it's called Facebook Watch now. And since Facebook owns Instagram, it's the same thing as IGTV or or Frames or whatever the frick it's called, Reels. I have no idea. Anyway, check her out there. Uh, or check out her YouTube. I would check that out. And you can check her out at Ghost Biker 
exp.com. I'm going to check that out for you. I'm going to put the links in the show notes because I was just on her site the other day and I, and I think it changed. It was Ghost Biker Explorations and now I think it's Ghost Biker EXP. I'll check it out for you and put it in the show notes so you can click on it. Um, that's happening and I would uh, implore you. Is that the right word? I would compel you? I wouldn't compel you. I might, I'll ask. I'll politely ask you to go check it out. She does some really cool um, ghostly investigations on motorbikes of some crazy haunted places around the country. Um, yeah, so having said that, uh, we got a little interview. I sat and, and broke bread with the uh, one of my favorite Gen Xers and a good friend of the show. And last year at this time, we had just wrapped up our... Uh, I know the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge ended in like May last year, but we had just wrapped up our interviews. They did interviews like every month with all the teams. There was like six or seven teams, so it took six or seven months. And I think we had ours at the end of September, beginning of October, somewhere around there. Um, and so we had just had our team talk about the um, uh, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. So a year ago today, things looked so much different. So... Uh, one of the guys that was on our team last year, uh, we sat down and had a little muck about about motorbikes and what he's been doing, and I just uh, it was good catching up. I really miss talking to my motorbiking friends, Paul Smith. I'm talking to you too, um, and Matt. As soon as you get back from Japan, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you your ears a lip smacking. <laughs> that sounds gross, but that means I'm gonna talk right in your eardrum. Um, all right, yeah, let's get into this interview real quick. Before we do that, let's hit a couple ads. We'll come back. We'll talk about Spooky Spokes. Hello, mate. Come on down to Jermaine's. Jermaine serves Australia's finest tea crisps. And Billy Butter. Watch out for drop bears. Jermaine's in Clinton, Australia's finest motorcycle diner. Hey, this is the Beast Man, coming at you from GSXR 600 FM, The Squid. We've got creative riding coming at you at the top of the hour, but first, the traffic. We have a yellow SV650 down on the 405, and a high-speed police chase being led by an RC51 over in Glendale. Chopper Dave says the bike looks pretty cherry from his vantage point, but may not be so sharp from up close. Anyway, here's an oldie from Tilford Cellars featuring a little-known steel guitar player named MotoGP. When the bright light Creative Riding is brought to you by Millman's Chocolate Chips. Millman's for long-distance truckers and motorcyclists on a long road trip. Millman's features enriched cocaine and skink pheromones. Millman's, I killed the ninja. Millman's Chocolate Chips. Brian. Good, how are you? I'm <laughs> doing good. So, I wanted to uh, chat with you tonight, partially because... Uh, a while back, a few, like a month ago, I feel like it's been three three or four months ago now, we did a, an episode on Gen X and uh, the coolest bikes from, from Generation X. And I thought, you know, I'm going to, there's a few people I know that are Gen Xers that, uh, you know, would could, could, could relate and have ridden for a long time and could talk about this stuff. You're one of them. Um, Paul Smith is another one. And uh, me and Paul actually were born the same year, so I was like, I know, I know for sure Paul's a Gen Xer. But on top of that, we're we're past that episode now. But it'd be kind of cool to rehash some of it and some of the coolest things sure. from the '90s and all that great stuff when when we we're 
writing age, but also I noticed, uh, of all things, that you have been hanging out. Um, I want to talk about this first, I guess. Um, a couple of years ago, about four years ago, I guess it is, I was very excited because BMW, for the first time ever, uh, released a bike that was smaller than uh, 650. And I think at one time, the only sub-650 bike they ever had was a motocross bike that was a 450. And that did, that yeah, lasted like one year, right, or something like that. So. Yeah, that was a Husqvarna. Was that a Husqvarna? Yeah, it was maybe, made by somebody else. Yeah, it was basically a based on, and it was kind of complicated. I looked at it the other day, uh, and I was like, yeah, this thing looked like shit. It really didn't look like a good motocross bike as we think. It looked like a BMW, like over-engineered and weirdly body. Uh, parts all over what was a husky, you know. <laughs> so, the one thing it did have was it had that cool swing arm fulcrum, so the chain length didn't change. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe that's the weirdest part yeah, about it was that, that it was the weirdest. Yeah, they, they, you know, they focused on that one thing, which it's a thing, but it's not that big of a thing. And actually, motocrossers have actually engineered that into it, and it's actually effective, you know. So, right, yeah. There's there's different ways to. Kind, yeah. kind of like if you remember, remember in the '80s, the over, over engineering to get the dive out of suspension. Now, now, like right, right, my GS without the dive, it kind of sucks because it doesn't shorten the wheelbase. It doesn't do the thing. So now you actually want dive, so it shortens the wheelbase and ter- tightens up the steering, the steering geometry. So it's actually better to have the dive. But they they spent millions and millions of dollars engineering these anti-dive <laughs> devices. I think somebody had one rotor that went one way and one rotor that went the other way that offset it. might have been that Sizz guy, but yeah, there's all types of craziness going on. Yeah, people uh, spend lots and lots and lots of money to not really effectively do anything any better than, you know. Right. Than yeah, I mean, think, think about Eric Buell with unsprung weight mm-hmm. to the extent that he's gone, right? Like yeah. oil and the swing arm and that crazy braking system it's a great idea but to a certain point it's just yeah it's people have already figured out works around it and works better but yeah Yeah, and then it has its own problems you know what i'm saying like you have everything's going to have uh every action is going to have an equal and opposite reaction so you can't engineer everything or else we would we would have figured figured it out a long time ago but what bmw has figured out is that hey the same thing that uh what's it called Benelli and uh uh-huh. and Harley Davidson has figured out is that we can partner with the um a, another country to make uh, a cool motorcycle and basically right. you got one you got the uh G310 GS at your house um somebody yep. does and so I yeah, saw that you're okay sweet so I saw you cruising around on that thing the other day and that's basically they went into um a partnership with TVS which is a Indian company yep. And, um, yeah, when the G310R was coming out, I was real excited. So you're the first person I know that's got a 310 uh, BMW. How does it uh, – how are you liking it? How is she yeah, liking so it? I'll, so I did a big iron butt earlier in the spring on the 1200. I did like 24 hours straight, did 1,800 miles, and then knocked the other 200 off within 36 hours for the 2,000 miles in 36 hours. Then uh, I was talking – I was – I see nobody had done an iron butt on an electric bike, so I tried to rent live wire on Twisted Road, hmm. right? So I put in, to, put in to rent it, and then I was talking to uh, Diego Gar- Gar- Gardinas, 
whatever. He's a, he's a live wire enthusiast. I was talking to him, then I was talking to uh, Vetter, Morgan Vetter, and those guys, and they were saying it can't be done. But then the guy on Twisted Road actually backed out, backed okay. out of the rental. Okay. So, so, anyways, talking to Cardenas, he's like, I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to, me and you are going to do an iron butt on two different live wires. And I was like, cool. And that whole thing. So what I wanted to do was just basically pre-run the route that I would do on the live wire, go to every charging station and do it on my wife's 310 GS, because that's not the most comfortable thing in the world. Neither is the live wire. (laughs) So I figured it'd be comparable. So I basically ran the route on that 310 GS, stopped at every charging station, like every 70 miles stopped at a charging station just to see where it is. And then did regular fuel stops on that bike. And I was averaging about 160 miles per tank. And, uh, so I had the thing pinned. I, I had pinned as, as fast as it would go. So I was going anywhere between 85, 90 miles an hour uphill, downhill, depending on how it all fell out. But I was, you know, it, with, with the balancer, the thing's actually pretty smooth at that speed. And so 80 miles an hour is 8,000 RPMs. And the speedometer is right on, like going off the GPS on my phone. So I was amazed of how well the bike ran. But when you get off it from the fuel station, you start running it up and you're like, this thing's going to blow up. And the thing never used one drop of oil. It got 60 miles to gallon the whole time, just vlogging it, pinned wide open. And temperatures were from 108 degrees to like 58 up at Reading. Mm. So... I ran the crap out of that bike. So I, I basically did 22 hours. And I did 1,350 miles. Nice. Pinned, like, just pinned on that stupid little thing. And, and when I got done with it, I was like, well, this is this is a really good bike. You, you really don't need anything more than that. Yeah. I mean, I, I jump on the GS1200, and yeah, it's you got a lot more command of the road. You got a lot more power available. But that 310 can do everything the GS can. It'd be everything that the 1200 can do so yeah. i was really impressed you know and the build quality on it every fastener has paint marks it's all been torqued every a, a quality control guy has gone through and made sure everything's done so it's really impressive and for five thousand bucks i don't think you can beat it right so i mean with a single running at that fast i again i don't think you should have a single going that fast but that, that motor does it really well and it's yeah. well balanced and that those those i also owned a csc a 250 one of those bikes and they were the same way when you get it to where in sixth gear 7,000 rpms is 70 miles per hour it's actually right into the sweet spot of the power so it makes decent power for passing and stuff so yeah i mean i, I think they're really hard to beat yeah um and you know, one of the things I remember when BMW was saying that they were going to uh, co-partner with a company in India, they I don't know if this is true, but at the time they were saying, well, we're going to ship equipment from Germany over so that it's our tolerances and our specs we are going to. And I don't think that would be that hard to do. You know, uh, people do that all the time. And we're going to train them on our techniques, which also, again, this happens at every company. You know, you have somebody come in from an outside agency or a contractor and you train them on your policies and the way you do stuff for your procedures. So I don't think that was that big of a deal. And they were said, we're going to make this bike in India and it's going to be cheaper um, for everybody. And that's the only difference. It's still going to be a BMW. And so I know they partnered with TVS because TVS already had 
a really solid reputation. Um, yeah. you know, so, uh, and I, I do think they probably threw some BMW stuff in there though, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like a solid deal. So I'm really excited that you have one or that your wife has one. What does she think of it? Um, has she got to do iron butt on it yet? Or you just been hogging it? <laughs> no, she, she comes from a motocross background. Yeah. So how this, how this all started, I built a Hawk GT and she's like, eh, it's not my thing. So yeah. then we went out and did some two up. Uh, ADV stuff and she's like this is what I like and then she's asked does BMW build a small bike and I was like you know they don't make the 650 anymore and I'm just not even thinking about that little Indian thing Yeah. and so I'm like, I'm thinking a Honda CRF 230L or a uh, WR 250R mm-hmm. you know then I was then I was thinking I was like well I remember Jocelyn Snow had a 310GS and then I was like hey uh, they do make a 310GS so then I looked at the price and they were like they were fifty nine ninety five with a thousand dollars off. So out the door, it was fifty five hundred bucks for right. everything, right? Man. So I was like, man, that's hard. That's really hard to beat with a two year warranty, you know. So yeah, and the BMW name um, to go behind yeah, it, and, right? And the and the BMW, you're buying it from a premium dealer, so you get the premium dealer experience. If that means anything to you, yeah. But uh, you know, I mean. The, the CRF two two thirty L is a lot more expensive than that. Yeah, and it's not it's not near as a good highway bike. It's a better off road bike. But right again, she she's a motocrosser, and this is so the difference between doing ADV trails to a motocrosser is no big deal. So you could do it on anything, right? Yeah. So the cast wheels isn't a big deal. That nineteen inch wheels fine. It actually works really good off off road. She could probably take a Ninja two fifty or you know off road and still have the same on an ADV. Quote ADV trail, um, so right, so yeah, so these things, uh, the the one thing that you can do, the one the one thing I would say where they have the upper hand on the GS, the big old GS, is that they're a lot lighter than a twelve hundred, <laughs> so you can fall over and not <laughs> rent throw out your back, <laughs> baking one up by yeah. yourself, right? But 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 I'm, again, I will tell you that GS that GS twelve hundred cannot cannot lay all the way down. It's, right. It's, it's halfway up already. It's done the hard work for you. So when, <laughs> right. so when you got a bike with a, so when that 310's laid down, it's laying flat. Now, I'm not saying the 310's not lighter than the GS, than the 1200. It's not. But the 1200 is actually pretty easy to pick up. Yeah. You would be surprised. Especially but, if you got panniers on there, which uh, like 95% of them do anyway. So yeah, you're not, you're, even the back end is halfway up. Like you're saying, it's not all the way over. But yeah, so I don't know. For me, um, it was ex- exciting to see that you were planning on doing that stuff on, on that 310. And, and then right. I saw you were running that route. And when you said, you, I think you had texted me or something and said, I think I might do an iron, but I didn't know you meant on that little bike. I didn't know it was for pre-running yep. a, uh electric um, path either. Did right. you, uh, you know... That's a that's actually a pretty good range. What it sounds like the tank range was getting. If you were right. to like not pin the an electric bike, <laughs> you might be running around the same miles. You know what I'm saying? So, did you in fact get a good route planned out for if you ever try it? Yeah, I got a, I got a perfect route. Yeah, perfect one. So well, and you know what? You're in live wire territory, but you're in zero. I mean, you're live wire and. Uh, plan but you're right. in zero territory why not just grab like a srf or something and see if you yeah, can do it's, it it's uh people on twisted road the twisted road app won't rent them out for you mm. to put a thousand miles on right so that's the biggest 
yeah. deal I'm having. And then I was thinking about buying an Energica or a Zero, and just you know, it's it's a great I great thing, but. You know, I spend twenty five hundred dollars in gas to commute to and from work, and let's just say, let's just say it costs nothing to charge, which it does cost something to charge. But let's just say it costs nothing to charge, so that's only saving twenty five hundred dollars a year. And in five years, the battery warranty goes up. As much as I would cycle, the battery's probably junk, right? So, it you're not saving that much. Yeah, right? I mean, and and I understand maintenance, but I do all my maintenance myself, so yeah. Yeah, I, I just to me it's not if, if if you if you like the electric thing, yeah, go ahead and do it. But don't think you're saving a lot of but it pays for itself. It definitely does not pay for itself. Right. I mean maybe maybe if you take your bike to a shop every time to do everything, oil changes and stuff, then maybe we might be talking about getting closer to paying for itself. But if you do all the own service yourself, it's not gonna pay for itself. That's that's where I got to, right? Yeah. So I got to well, for you know, twenty thousand dollars for an electric bike. I could go buy a pretty decent used bike and just drive, just have that as a backup to the GS, and not put so much miles on the GS. And that's kind of what I did. I I seen a good deal on a S one thousand XR, so I picked that up. Right. So yeah. So, so you did. <laughs> that was my next question. I saw you. I didn't. I didn't know if you were doing a. Uh, I didn't know if you were renting that from somewhere. That's why I, I saw I your it. I saw your post, and I was like, "Is he renting this off of something like Twisted Road or Rider Share or something?" So that was you were you were buying it, huh? Yeah, it was a 2018. It was a Harley dealership, and they were selling it for eleven thousand five hundred. Which there's six teams going for more than that. Yeah, out on Craigslist at dealers. And I was like, you know, it's got twenty thousand miles, which I guess is a lot, but. For the price, I could buy it. If it does, if I don't like it, I could flip it, right? So, so that was kind of the deal. I was riding back and forth to work, and I had it in uh, dynamic pro mode. The thing was so it's like a race car. It's like a Ferrari, yeah, coming off the GS. So I got it right in road rain mode and road mode. It's a lot softer, so it's actually it's actually pretty good. And I think it's going to work. And I think I'll probably you know go through and repair all the things that I've allowed just to be broken on the gs and probably sell it yeah. and then with with the idea of when i get rid of the xr in four years maybe just go back and get a 1250 the 1250 boxer it's like so much more refined i mean if you look at the 1200 the 1250 you're like it's the same yeah it's not the same the, the heads are completely different the, the drivetrain on the chains on the timing chains are completely different the oil pumps are different it's it's a lot different on the so 1250 the 1250 is a lot better made motor. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, so they've had, the other ones started out as what, like a 900. I, I watched the evolution uh, over mm-hmm. the decades because my, my boss used right. to have a um, a 1000, then they went to like a 1050, 11, 1150, 12, and now they're at 1250 like 20 years later. And yeah, they put a lot of time and a lot of, um, like you're saying, so they the, put a lot of time and refinement into those and now they've kind of moved on to the next gen. So in 2013 is when they made the big jump, right? So my bikes, in 2013, the standard GS had the water boxer. Yep, became water water boxer. It's a a complete modular motor. It's engine and transmission. The previous ones had a dry clutch like a truck, Mm -hmm. right? It was was just like a truck. Yeah, it was a a single plate. Single plate, right. big. I mean, yeah, you pop it, pop out uh, that, and put it in your Volkswagen Golf or something like yep. that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 
Yeah, the big <laughs> pressure plate and throw out bearing like you're working on a truck. Exactly. And those those things seem like trucks, right? I drove a 2009 test drove one, and then the then the salesman's like, if you if you think you want to buy that, don't don't buy it. Don't even ride the water boxer. And I rode, and I was like, yeah, I gotta have that. Yeah, because it's got a wet clutch and the transmission's in with the engine, and it's like a Japanese bike. It's modular, right? It's so much better. Mm-hmm. So, and then that was a huge generation leap, and then. The 1250 looks similar, and it's the same layout, but again, it's another generational leap, too, when you ride the thing. You're like, what has happened to this? Because the motors, you know, every boxer has just got tons of valve noise because the valves are right there. Yeah. But, uh, that new 1250 doesn't have hardly any valve noise. Right. I was, I was going to say they changed the valve train. They put that variable yeah. timing. Cam. Yeah. Got a shift cam on the uh, intake. Yeah. So. Yeah, that variable valve, and the way it changes is it's got, like you said, a shift cam and an actuator that, like, changes the valve so quickly, like, shoots the, uh, I don't know, actuates the uh, the camshaft over so quickly that it doesn't... Yeah, and, and the, the actuation's so smooth, right? Yeah. Like, I had an 06 VFR with VTEC on it, and that thing was so abrupt when it actuated the, all the valves, right? It was just so abrupt. It was terrible. Like, <laughs> I would have a VFR, like... A 2000 or old, like a 99 2000 before the VTEC, those are those are the best VFR ever made, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the, the VTEC is just so dumb. It's and it doesn't save that much, right? Yeah, it's just, and, and I've and I've had it on Willow Springs, the, the 06 VFR, and just the transition from no power to all power, it was it was really hard to ride, yeah. So touchy very touchy the yamahas uh, around that same year range also had that weird like touchy i don't remember exactly what their deal was i think it was just the ecu at the time when they were developing all right. that stuff for those bikes trying to get into the one-upping at each other everybody got a twitchy throttle where all of a sudden you're going from zero to full power um so yeah so how uh, speaking of your 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 uh 1250 now you got the S1000XR, which I think my uh, our, our friend Dan and uh, Dan rides moto in Australia. I think he has followed your same progression. I think he had an old 1200GS. I'm not 100% sure if he got, got the 1250 when it came out, but I, but he traded it in um, for an RS, I think. So you guys are going okay. from, well, he still stayed boxer, but you're going from right. boxer to S, which is inline four. Um, what do you think about BMWs four now having ridden a boxer for quite a while? Yeah. Again, I'm kind of like Chris Wiggins. I hate inline fours. I hate the way they sound. I don't like anything about it, but that bike, that motor is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like in, in the, uh, shift assist pro, the, the, the down, the downshift assist on it. Like I'm, I'm clearly over revving when I flip throttles because this thing it's completely imperceptible how much it raises the RPMs to catch the next gear. <laughs> it's crazy. Like it's just like, enough. <laughs> yeah, it's just enough. And, and I got give, give her full throttle and neutral to, to grab the next gear. Right. So make it all aggressive. And this thing's like super smooth. Like it's, that bike is really good. And that, but that again, that shift assist pro, like on the upshift, it's so cool. It's like, you know, it sounds like an indie car. But it, it yeah. does that little backfire when it bangs, when it kills the ignition to bang the next gear. And it's just perfect. It does it just enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I was it's trying to. When, it's, it's almost when you go into the next gear, it actually accelerates through the shift. I, it's hard to explain. It's like my wife just bought a new Ford Ranger with the turbocharged four cylinder and it's got a 10 speed automatic. Oh, and that crap. thing does the same thing. It actually 
right when it makes the shift, it, it actually increases, you know, acceleration. So yeah. that, that BMW does that same thing. It's just such a quick shift. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to explain somebody the other day because uh, one of the guys at my work because of the um, I think that the Ninja S or the Ninja SX SX has that right the SELT yeah. whatever the hell they call that thing um, and yeah I was telling I was telling you know this is similar to what they have, have, the, have on the BMWs. Have the- does it have the automatic on the downshift too? I'm not 100% sure. Since I didn't yeah. do that one, you know, he's he's got that one. I handed over, you know, I used to know this stuff because I was in it uh-huh. every day, but I've handed over and said, hey, you do this one. So he's done all the research on that and he would know. I. But I, when I was looking at it, I was like, oh yeah, this has got that. I didn't read all about it, but yeah. I know what you're talking about. The electronics on these things are so crazy nowadays where you right. just, you, you use your foot and you don't necessarily need the clutch anymore. You know, it's no. got got yeah. it covered. Yeah, that's that's the thing with that those S motors. You know, you've got a BMW. You've got a $25,000 motorcycle. It's got a cable clutch. And you're like, I got ripped off here. But <laughs> when you need the clutch to take off and stop. Like, you're not using the clutch. Like, yeah. Again, I don't really use a clutch anyways, but you're still... I mean, and that bike, when you actually do use the clutch, it, there's a there's a weird feel to it. It it's like that's not right. Like it's not supposed to be like that. Yeah. So I I just use that uh, shift assist pro 100 percent of the time. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, and they they that is an option. That's a factory option on. So I mean, if you don't have that and you're using the clutch, you you know what I'm saying they it's like a different right. ECU or I think they run everything off a of bus system. So it's probably the same ECU. It just yeah. gets flipped internally when it senses that thing's connected um but yeah i mean talk about the technology it takes to do all that stuff for you and and it's it's an option you can throw it on and now you have it too if you have the old you know just regular but yeah you know you need the clutch to what take off and sit at stoplights you know and and, 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 so here's here's something interesting right so i had uh the the stock lights on that gs they were halogen they weren't the uh LED lights, mm-hmm. but they were terrible at night. So I bought some. I I bought some Clearwater's off of Craigslist, and uh, yeah, the the reason stuff costs so much is because you get what you paid for. Those Clearwater lights are the best things I've ever seen, right? Mm-hmm. But it came it came with a can opener for the R twelve hundred GS. So I got this XR, and I was going to switch everything over to that. So I called up Clearwater just to get the brackets, and the lady was like, "Oh, you need a different can bus, but you need a different can opener." between the XR and the GS, which is crazy. You would think all that stuff would be the same, but you know, all the, the way everything interacts is the same, but it's a different can opener for some reason. So yeah. I don't know what that's all about, but yeah, no, that that's sort of thing. And, uh, starting way back right around, right before 2013, actually, I think it was 2008. They started to do that with most of their stuff if it wasn't already running that way. And it was so they could do all these crazy plug and play. That's when they that's when BMW brought the IMU uh into their lineup on the S one thousand uh RR. And after that, I mean they were already CAN bus before that, but after that it was a plug and play thing where yeah, you that's why I'm saying if you don't have that shift assist pro, I think you can just plug it in. But if not, you literally just swap over the wiring harness and, and the little you know, system that goes along with it, and boom, you suddenly have you don't have to go get your bike like t- torn apart and install, you know, installed in your transmission and all this stuff. It's really cool the way that stuff works, but that's probably some of it is that the LED lights, um, they definitely take less of a load and they generate 
less resistant, so things don't work the same. If you try to just switch right. over your LED lights on your, if you have a motor, right. if you put aftermarket LEDs on on a um, halogen, your like turn signals blink all fast and stuff, and it doesn't work quite right because the resistance is different. So that might have something to do with it too. But yeah. that's that's rad. And and the inline four, I mean, I've always liked. I was surprised when they finally made an inline four because I can only remember BMW being uh, boxers, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and air cooled. Um, I mean, I know they had like the, the transverse, like the K motors, but I've never like uh-huh. a, never like a cross, uh, you know, like a crossway, uh, inline four. So when they came well, out they, with those, had, I was like, yeah, they had, they had the K 1200, the K 1300 S those big, fast, like it's like a high boost killer. It's got a shaft drive. It's got that funky, uh, whatever you call it. Crazy German front end. Yeah, yeah, I I remember I remember those. I forgot those yeah. were fours. Those weren't K thirteen hundreds. That's right. Those yeah. were K, but those were those were laying down on the side though, right? Or were no, those crossway? Uh, they, they were straight up inline fours. Okay, I have haven't seen those since they phased out in like two thousand nine or whatever. So it's been a decade. So I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, so like, I I feel bad. So th- so they got those bikes got replaced by the S line. Right. Right. S one thousand. Right. right. Yeah, I remember the K13, the front forks on those aren't, yeah, they're basically yeah, like a Hossack style front end, yeah. right, yeah. yeah. And just yeah. the shape of them, though, was like a lightning strike almost. It was so crazy. They're they're pretty cool and if you the, get a chance to check the, them out. And the K1600 still has that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those things were, the, the S and the R, they looked huge. And I'm thinking 1300, oh, my God, they're one of the only BMWs that I can sit on and touch the floor because, yeah. <laughs> like, the GS, my feet dangle, like, two feet above the deck. But on those yeah, 1300s, those, they were low. I couldn't believe how yeah, sporty they were. Yeah, like, like, they're like the gentleman's Hayabusa. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the gentleman's Hayabusa. Yeah, they were really... Um, it's really fun to watch those things rip around and like, I, yeah, I, I so, barely see them anymore, but yeah, they were cool. Yeah. So, so what, what kind of replace that would be the S S 1000, uh, XR, right? right. That'd be the closest thing to it. A yeah. sport touring, right. And that's what I got. So it's, it's got that long travel suspension, which I actually like. I like super motos. So yeah, they're really working for me. You know, that is the, that would be like the gentleman's like, uh, FJ09 or something. I know they don't make the FJ anymore, but I'm trying to think of a big, uh, if anybody besides BMW, I guess the Versus kind of counts. But um, but yeah, man, that's really cool. And and uh, it's nice that you got one and you're, you've are you owned a lot of stuff, but now you're seeming like you're a BMW guy. What's driving you toward the brand? Well, so I, 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 pref- I don't like European bikes, never have. I, I do now just because just the the way the interface is laid out on those BMWs, I just like the way it's laid out. It makes sense. Like that smart wheel makes sense. All the, the way you go through the, the menus makes sense. Everything mm-hmm. work, makes sense. And here's another thing, you know, I go like, like I was, when the African twin came out, I was like, you know, that, that would be an alternative to the GS. And it's got rubber brake lines. And yeah, I, I know rubber brake lines are as good as stainless steel when they're new, but I'm a racer. So when I see stainless steel lines, I'm like, there you go. That's done. That's already done Yeah. because that's something I would do. Right. Yeah. So when you see all these cheaped out things 
and now the price of the Japanese bikes are getting really close to the European bikes. <laughs> I got like, to tell you, yeah, those Africa twins at work, we are, we look at them and go, man, that those are pricey, you know, and some of the guys are tripping out because some of the guys are motorbike guys, but they haven't right. bought a new motorbike in a long time. So they're looking at them going, oh, man, like that. It's kind of up there, and when the CBR is, is as much as a, uh, our, you know, twelve hundred GS almost. I, when we looked at them at the show, they were saying they were going to be sixteen thousand. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I couldn't, you know, tell you today if you went in if how much they are. But I remember just thinking that the CBR one thousand RR used to be a, you know, sub ten thousand dollars sport bike, and now they're getting up to the price of premium. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. The sport bikes apparently are taking a turn. And going up to where what you used to think of, like you're saying, German bike or something like that, or like fancy KTM or something, you know. And yeah, they're not they're, well, they're I mean, leveling the field for sure. I mean, look at the new CBR 1000, the RRR. It's it's a really badass motorcycle, but it's in the price range of Ducatis and, B, and BMWs mm-hmm. now, right? So mm-hmm. like, it's more than the BMW. It's almost as, as much as the uh, V4 Panigale. I, yeah. I mean, and again. If, I, if I'm giving up the same money, I'd probably just go ahead and get a Ducati. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a fan. I don't like Ducatis. I don't like Desmotronic valve train that looks like a nightmare to me. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's, you know, I, I would go for Honda. I'm I'm curious. I haven't right. seen this thing in action. Um, obviously, this is kind of brand new. And the uh, 600's not even coming over here that they just released, I guess, a little while ago. Right. But, um, you know, that box of neutrals thing on the very last CBR uh, really had people like wondering, you know, and I know they're obviously doing well in MotoGP. That's a totally different, you know, motor yeah, and that's a totally different animal. So the street version though, and like super sport racing and stuff and super stock um, and all that, like they, are they still doing that good? I, I couldn't tell you, I haven't seen them up there. That's where like Ducati and BMW are, are excelling and, and, like pure road racing is because they're they're doing really well there, and the and the Hondas I haven't seen, so I don't know if they're trying to price themselves in to look like, hey, we are, you know what I mean? Like you can either make a really great bike and outsell the competition, or you can raise the price to look like your competition. So maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know, but yeah, the um, to go back to the BMWs, that's funny. You know, you're, I don't like European bikes, and then you have three. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> so. like, I, I really, I really like the thing. I mean, yeah. And again, I, I, I have, well, I have two, and then I have an Indian bike, right? Yeah, so. right. Well, you know, the other funny thing is, is the wheel that, for listeners that uh, don't know about the BMW wheel, what he's talking about is on the handlebar, there's this, like, little multifunction right. wheel thing that's really cool, as opposed to, speaking of the Africa Twin, the 40,000 buttons that has become common on a lot of the Japanese, um, I think the, uh, I'm pretty sure that the Kawasaki has this too. The Versus has uh, 90,000 buttons all over the thing. And it's and, and the Honda Goldwing's the same way. Like that even has like a console on the dash. Like the buttons on these things are crazy where the BMW has a couple, but they also have that wheel that's like a multifunction thing and you just spin right. it with your thumb. You don't have to reach, you don't have to remember the position on the handlebar where everything is. You just use your thumb and scroll back and forth. So yeah, I mean, you are paying BMW money. I th- I guess you would expect BMW uh, things. And, and, and all the buttons are on the switch gear on the handlebars. It's not mm-hmm. like a button on the dash or a mm-hmm. button over here or a button on the side. Like, 
Yeah. I just get used to where the switches are. So I can, I've rode that GS so much, the buttons are all the same. And the XR is the same. All the BMW lines the same, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it just, for me, it just makes sense, right? And I've got, I've got one of the Garmin GPSs that are built. And, and those Garmin GPSs are cool. And the fact that uh, the dash is limited on what it can show you. But that Garmin GPS is tied into the ECU. So it brings up all the parameters, right? So you can, at a glance, look at your water temperature, look at your oil level, look at everything associated with the bike that, that you can't even get displayed on the on the display itself without it. So yeah. that's one thing that's cool about it. Was that is that one of the things? It's like a factory option for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I knew. I've never really played around with that stuff because it's not usually part of what what I do. But I I have seen that there's a, a mount up there, and there's usually right. in in the stuff that they send us. It's just like, hey, if there's like a problem with any of these um, modules that we sell, <laughs> and it has like twenty different garments and a little, you know, uh, right. I guess because they're showing us for the worldwide. So there's all sorts of different ones available in other countries too that are the same. Yeah, these crazy modules that you have up there. Um, pretty soon I think they're going to probably do what Ducati's doing with the, um, uh, God, what's that thing? The ride connect. I forget what they call it. Maybe ride connect where you like, it shows your route. It shows your speed, your braking zones. Like it shows how far you leaned over. It shows your, you know, your temperatures and stuff throughout the ride. And it's just like a, now that that technology is common and in everyday, everybody's phone basically. Um, and, and they can Bluetooth it right to the bike. I think that's going to be. Um, something that we see premium at first, but in like five or 10 years, like people are putting on everything, you know, like, Hey man, yeah, let's so, check this out. So BMW just released their app. So the bikes already have it on them. Mm. But now that the app's done, you can download the app on your phone and then it's hooked into your, to your bike. Yeah. So it displays all your nav up on the screen and that BMW, uh, the new screen they have, it's, 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 it's the best one I've seen so far. So I've rode the Ducati. And the thing about the Ducati, when you're riding down the road, scrolling through menus, you lose everything. You lose your speed. You lose, it just goes to a menu. And you're like, well, okay. Like, you just lose <laughs> track of where you're at. Like with the BMW, the speed's displayed on the left side, or you can put it wherever you want. But when you're in a certain menu, the speed's still displayed, right? Right, right. All the stuff in there is just moved out to the edges, which is really cool about that. But the Ducati one, like I was riding uh, Multistrada Enduro, doing a demo on that going through the menu trying to like just with suspension and stuff and i was like now you look now you lost your speed i mean it's just the fact that it disappears it's kind of goofy it throws you a little bit i'm yeah. sure you can get used to it but you're like yeah you, weird. i mean if you gl- glance down and see that you've you've slowed down like a grandpa because you're like playing around with the menus you might be like, right. oh, I need to get up. Or if you're doing 120 now because you weren't paying attention and the bike's so smooth or like you're on a smooth road and you're going, whoops, maybe I don't want to get a ticket for trying to figure out sport mode or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> it, it does make sense a little bit. But um, yeah, that's one thing that I, I really, I dig about uh, the way they're thinking about bikes nowadays. And I, there's this whole, I used to like, not frown on technology per se, but I used to be of the opinion or I guess I was questioning, is it making people crappier writers? My current opinion is no, probably people are better, you know, or people can do more things um, better, uh, you know, now. And and with all the, the ride modes and menus and stuff, it's making riding more fun, you know what I'm saying? Like there's times when you're on an old crummy bike where you wish you knew certain things 
or you wish you had a GPS that wasn't, you know, yeah, you had right. to find a, it, find a bracket to mount it and get it, it on there. It probably makes the bike more dangerous for the first couple of weeks you own it, right? Yeah. After you know where everything's set, then it's no big deal. Yeah. So true. When you're looking it, down at the menu on the freeway, right. yeah, you're probably not that safe. But, but, I, but I still <laughs> like old analog stuff. And I think that S1000 has the best analog gauge with the big white tack with the shift light and mm-hmm. the speeds over on the side. So I like that a lot. Yeah. You ought to get some rad, like <laughs> go to AutoZone and get some of those pod filter um, gauges and like stick them, <laughs> stick them on the side. Go crazy. Just go 90s, like uh, Racer Boy on the thing and stick a whole bunch of weird stuff. Um, now that thing too also has the cool styling of the asymmetric headlights, if I remember correctly. Dep- no, I mean, they're not. They're they're symmetrical. Oh, are they? What year is it? It's uh, eighteen. Oh they, yeah. Okay. Never they, mind. They came out sixteen to eighteen. They were. They've always been the same, and then they just the new ones, the nineteen and twenty. And it looks a little smoother, and it's got a TFT screen on it. Yeah. But I, I was looking at reviews. It's like. The new one, they kind of softened everything up, made it a little bit more of a cruise, a little bit more of a touring bike than a sport bike. Yeah, I I don't know what happened uh, to BMW in nineteen. Um, there was a lot of weird. Well, there from from my standpoint, there was a lot of things going on, and so I don't really know. But it seems like they started to change a lot of stuff. Same with Kawasaki; they a lot of stuff started to change in nineteen. Was brand new for twenty, um, and BMW has been doing that for quite a while. Um, up and everything, and I think 19 is a year, a pivotal year where they kind of changed uh, a lot yeah. of stuff, right? Yeah. Yep, so the, the motor casting is completely different. So if you look at the, like, my XR and then the 19, the water pump's on the other side of the motor. It's completely different. It's a completely different casting. Hmm. So that's that's when they had the S1000RR with the shift cam. Yeah. But they didn't put the shift cam in the XR. They said they didn't need it. Yeah. So, huh. so that, the XR has got a lot of torque. Which is nice. I like I like to have the torque, and that's what I don't like about inline fours is they don't have any torque. But yeah. it's like you know, going sixty five and six gear, you want to pass something. There's you don't need to downshift or anything. It's fine. Yeah, you plenty of power. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I remember the first time I rode uh, inline four. Um, I had always owned uh, thumpers before that, right? And the first time I rode it, and I was just going to give it gas and go real quick and it didn't happen and i had a downshift <laughs> downshift like twice before it started i was oh, like this yeah. is so weird there's no bottom end torque on those things you got to yep. keep it up with the ribs um yeah that's cool i'm glad that you you've like owned one of every um configuration now and until they actually you know what they did have a three cylinder sort of i think the uh, f800 had a um dummy cylinder that went backwards to balance it it wasn't, there was well, nothing, also, yeah. The, the K75 was a three-cylinder, too. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have the K75, the K100 was a four-cylinder, and those are those laid-down motors. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you've you almost owned one of every uh, cylinder configuration. What, hey, speaking of which, now that you own all BMWs, what was the last bike you sold? You must have, must have been your Ninja. Yep. No, yeah. I sold the Hawk GT. Okay. So okay. I sold, I sold the Hawk GT to some lady in Burbank, and she was going to pay me money to deliver the bike. And then uh, I was going to get a little little bike to teach my kids how to ride. They're like fifteen and seventeen, so I was like something that they, a little dirt bike or something. And then my brother has a used to race minis, 
So I said, hey, do you want to sell one of your 85s? So he sold me an RM85. Nice. And then when I got it home, I just started putting on the track. So I've been racing the RM85 on the track. <laughs> So <laughs> to, to hell with your kids learning to ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can ride it, but but I it's a 2007. But I made it like remember the uh, 91 RM250 with the pink spotted seat, the purple, all the crazy stuff. I put I made it look like that. It's kind of cool. <laughs> nice, so, dude. So everybody sees it like, what is that? And then old guys like me are like, man, that's badass. Yeah. <laughs> that. What year is it? And I was like an 07. They're like. Looks like a ninety one. Right. There was not enough pink and purple and aqua on <laughs> shit in the nineties, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, you couldn't get yeah. enough. Um that's funny that you mentioned that because I don't think it was you, but I I recently saw uh, I wanna maybe it was on YouTube, a bunch of uh, mini racing stuff popped up and that was the thing. It was a bunch of people oh no, it was at um it was at Willow Springs at Horse Thief Mile. Uh-huh. That's what it was. And it, there was like a whole mini racing class. And I was like, what is this dude on a, a supermoto? I couldn't tell because it was from his point of view. You could just see the front fender. And then the next thing I know, I see dudes cruising by him. There was like a 120 and a, and a 85. And some, and I was like, oh, they were racing minis out there on the uh, on the um, Horse Thief, which is kind of like a smaller street course. It's not the big old, right. uh, the big old track. Yeah, but, I've raced Horse Thieves. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, fun. I mean, yeah, right, right. So it's a good track for bikes that can, you know, turn quickly. Um, but yeah, so yeah. it looked like a lot of fun, and I was going, "Oh, is this a thing?" And apparently, it is. Are you are you doing it now in a in a club? So uh, because of COVID, the guy that runs the uh, Northern California Mini Bike Racing Association, mm-hmm. he canceled the season, but we're still doing track days, and mm-hmm. he's actually going to have a six hour endurance race coming up in November. So I'll race that. I'll get like four guys and do that. Nice. So put a new piston in it before we go. So hopefully it don't blow up. But, yeah. uh, but that's <laughs> dude, that bike with 12 inch tires, it's the funnest thing in the world. Like it, it's just so much fun, man. Yeah. Just get that thing over on, you know, dragon foot peg and nature corners. And, and actually like it makes peak horsepower is like 22 horsepower, believe it or not from the 85. Wow. But it is, it's like between 9,500 and 10,500 is when it makes power. That's yeah. it, right? So it's Man. like. That's but, half uh, a freaking Sportster. <laughs> Those yeah, only make like 40-something horsepower. Uh, Ari, Ari Henning and uh, right. what's his buddies? Zach Quartz? Ari Henning has an RM250. And then I think the other guy has an Ovali or something like that. Yeah, I think so. But I've uh, seen them at Apex racing each other. Yeah, uh, Zach Zach Quartz is the guy's name. Yeah, I did see them race. Um, I did see they did a thing on uh, t- t- whatever their show is called. I think it was on two wheels or throttle out or whatever. No, no, where they did oh. the one guy brought his Ovale and the other guy uh, okay. had the RM eighty five. Yeah, and they went out yeah. and they did another one. Uh, same sort of thing where they tested a Ducati versus a just crappy bike off a of Craigslist, and they, they do some of the coolest stuff. But yeah, they're they right. got some real weird, funky stuff. But um, so uh, we've met in person, and you are like six foot three, and you're riding a, no, a RM eighty five, six foot one. Oh come on! Nope, six foot one. I think I'm six foot now, so I've shrank. I'm fifty <laughs> years old, so I'm losing some height. <laughs> right. But so, no, no, the RM eighty five. It's not that small, you know, and, and 
And people will say, oh, yeah, you're right, a little kid's bike. Yeah, but you think an old volley's cool, and it's got 10-inch wheels. Those bikes are super tiny. Yeah. They're tiny. And I'm not paying $5,000 for that tiny. I don't care if Valentino Rossi rides one. I could, or Josh Heron, I could care less. That thing is tiny. Yeah. I would rather take, a, like, a, a CRF-150 would be the best. Those those are the good bike to have. Yeah. But, I mean, a two-stroke, you know, 60 bucks for a piston and gasket set on eBay, and you're back in business, so. Yeah. Hell yeah! I mean, you can you can you can buy a whole crank set for three hundred bucks. So I mean, you can't beat the you know the cost for repair on a two stroke. Yeah, I mean, you do have to do it after every race anyway <laughs> with a two stroke. <laughs> so it's, it's got a new bottom end and it's got a new upper top end. And I've probably put forty hours on it so far. Yeah, I, I beat the piss out of that bike. Yeah, that's so, pretty good. I've crashed it a few times. It's I mean, it's fun. So when is that? Um, when is the endurance race happening? They haven't set a date, but it's probably in November. It's going to yeah. be up at Dixon, okay. over by Davis, California, up here. So yeah, it's a really good track. Yeah, I know where Dixon is. I didn't know there was a track up there. Um, yeah. So do you, do you know where the motocross track is at Dixon? Uh, vaguely, so, uh, yeah. I've, I've only been there a park. couple times. Yeah. So it's right next to the motocross track. Uh, okay. Okay. It's, there's a kart track there. It's Kinsman cart trick nice um yeah so i think that'd be stellar dude uh, uh endurance race especially um since yeah like everything else is getting canceled <laughs> might as well do something for the, something fun um luckily there's been i think arma has pretty much canceled their season but we're there's uh our friend brady out here is putting a track day on on november 7th so or no actually november 1st i guess it is um really and, what what day is that I think it's a Saturday. Really? Yeah, he usually tries to do his stuff on Saturday, November first. That's 1st. a Sunday. So. Sunday, okay, Sunday. I know it's a weekend, but yeah, he's gonna do. Uh, you can people usually show up, you know, the, the night before and camp and barbecue and party, and then Sunday do the racing and go home. But yeah, those are fun. Um, yeah, like, I'd, I'd bring the XR down and do that. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome little little track. They're doing it at the streets too, so it's, it's oh, they're doing at the streets. Yeah, okay. But um, but yeah, they um, they've been doing. He's been trying to keep up. I mean, everything else has got canceled. I think they've done a couple classic track days this year, but man, it just with everything going on, it's just kind of sucky. And and for the people that are um going to these things, it's like there's. You know, I know racing's back because they're doing certain protocols and everybody there is not even 100% safe all the time. So it's just, it's kind of, it's crazy. But yeah, they're, they're trying to like, there's usually a bunch of events all year long and Brady's doing like the Californian and stuff like that. And like everything got canceled this year. So I was like, shit. (laughs) So I'm just excited to be going riding with Wiggins tomorrow because A, we're not on fire. The world's not on fire today, although it is coming back. I can see it coming back for some reason toward us over the hill and right. B we're actually going to go up, uh, into some of the canyons, uh, east of here that weren't, that aren't closed uh-huh. because of it. Cause yeah, I mean, it's kind of dangerous to go up there right now with, with that being what's on fire right around us, but we're going to head a little bit east and go up into those that haven't caught fire yet. And if they do catch fire, I think, you know, who started it? <laughs> Wiggins. <laughs> so, but so he's, he's going to ride the CBR. Yeah, yeah. So he got a new bike. Um, right, I seen that. He got he got his new bike like the same day I got mine. Oh no, kidding! Sweet. Yeah. yeah. So he's had it for about a week now, maybe two weeks by the time the show goes out. And uh, yeah, so I think he's gonna ride that tomorrow. And he finally sold his Harley, 
and use some of that sweet Harley money to buy, I want to say an 08 CBR? I think it's I think it's 05. 05. I'll have to ask him, yeah. I, I looked at the picture, and I was like, oh, because he, he has another CBR that has the exact same tank, and I was looking at it going, did he... He didn't take oh his no his RC that's what it is the tank looks similar to his RC and I'm like he right. d- did not dismantle his RC and I'm looking at it going no this thing's like totally different so um, you know I I was looking at the motor and everything I was like yeah this ain't his this ain't his bike this is a totally new one so that's he's like yep I got it and we're gonna go test it out tomorrow so he's I think he's he's happy to get back into riding he hasn't been riding since I want to say like early last year I think. Th- we went on a couple rides and his Harley was for sale after that. So he really didn't have anything to ride because none of his other bikes are street legal. <laughs> so, right. yeah. So one's not street legal. It was, but then he, you know, like everything, he can't leave it alone. So he turned it to a track bike. So, oh, okay. yeah. So that's, we had that going on and I think he, he might've rode it once or twice, but then, um, straight up track data after that. So, um, yeah. That's funny. My, my brother bought a RC51 new in 2000 mm-hmm. and uh, immediately put it on the track. So he's paying <laughs> a loan on it. So he's got to have full coverage insurance for the loan. It was ridiculous. Like that bike, never seen the track, never seen the road. It's straight to the track. <laughs> right. My friend. And then, oh, go ahead. Go for it. And then, you know, he's a, he's a big aircraft mechanic, so he can't leave well enough alone. So yeah. he, cut the, he cut the chain so short that the the actual tire, you know, as, as you're spinning tires up, they stand up, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care how rigid the carcass is. So the, so the tire was, I seen it, and I was like, dude, you got rubber all over your swing arm. And he's like, yeah, it's picking it up. And I was like, no, it's the other way. It's dragging it. The swing arm's ripping tire off the tire, right, when it, when it spun up. <laughs> and I was like, I would put another leak in that chain. I would do something. I would get that swing arm, I would get that wheel back. He's like, nah, it's fine. So he's going through a corner, spinning up the rear tire and the thing. And he kept, rolled off the throttle, and it, that swing arm grabbed that tire, and it bucked him right up and high-sided him. No was, shit. Oh, yeah. He was knocked out for 30 minutes or so. So then did so. he trust you? Did he follow your advice after that? So it was hitting the front of the swing arm when it would, when it would uh, like, raise yeah. up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right? So, like, sitting there on the God stand, dang. it's fine. There's plenty of clearance. Yeah, well, spin that thing 100 miles an hour and see what happens, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then, and then, it's one of those things where you have the bike set up primo, but you're, you're not putting any stresses on it, and that's where everything starts right. to go sideways. So, so imagine going through a fast corner at 100 miles an hour, spinning the rear, and then you go to roll off the throttle because it's stepping out, and now it's like the rear brake came on, right? Yeah, then, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so like already losing the back end now. Now slam on the rear brake and big high side. Yeah, All so. because of the tire dynamic, like the tire misshaping it, deforming no, its speed. No, because he had, he had to have the short wheelbase. Right, I have right. to have the short wheelbase. I have to have. It needs to turn tight. I was gonna say, tire. hey man, it helps you turn in better. <laughs> but, yeah, like raise the back end up, drop the fork, do that. Don't. Yeah, but yeah. again, he's one of those guys you can't tell him anything. He's like dead straight ahead, like all the way to the max. Like, yeah. Crowd, yeah. Change the rake angle by dropping the suspension instead of pulling the tire right into the swing arm. I mean, there had to be to there had to be some minimal clearance there, though. Even at even at rest, <laughs> you know, like for it to. I mean, 
you could barely get your pinky between the tire and the swing arm at rest, right? So yeah. imagine when that tire is spun up. Yeah. How many RPMs that is, the back wheel. So All of a sudden yeah. it's oblong and whacking this swing arm. Right. Yeah. And, and going through a corner on the sidewalk, the tire is deforming. It's Defor- actually shoving. You know right. what I mean? I mean. Yeah, it's like a ball of dough getting kind of pushed all around to the middle at that point. Um, hey, are you gonna are you gonna race? Because you you sold your ninja, and I think you had a supermoto before that too, right? Was that your hawk that you're talking about? That you was uh, your other bike, or no? I'm thinking of your ninja, but I swear you had a supermoto too at one point. I, I had a CRF 450. Okay, so I sold the CRF 450, then I sold the ninja. I had both those bikes at the same time. I'd race both of them. Yeah, and then. I bought that Hawk GT and kind of did a restore, like a kind of modern retro restore of that thing. Mm-hmm. It was cool, but I mean, it's a Hawk GT. It's not the quickest thing in the world. It looks cool, but it's kind of small. They're not, they're almost a full-size bike. And when I get on it, so I, I just, you know, then she bought that BMW. So there's no point in having that. So I sold that and then I picked up that little rm85 so I'll, right. I'll race the r i'll, I'll race the rm85 that was my question which one are you going to race and the 85 the rm85 yeah so, you're yeah, going I'm, backwards I'm you're, you used to race uh bigger bikes then you went down to the 450s yeah. now you're going to 80 next next thing i know you'll be racing 50 cc scooters yeah right that was rad well no, again that that those mini bike racing is the best. I mean, just banging bars with people. It's a lot of fun. I bet. It's a lot of fun. And, and those 12-inch wheels, they look stupid. People may just think they're twitchy, but you can put that bike absolutely anywhere you want it. Mm-hmm. Like, and they turn in so quick, those little tires. it's They're great. Yeah. Mostly at cart tracks, I'm assuming, and, and smaller. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's, and it's got the stock front caliper on it, and it's got a uh, master cylinder off of an ATV, right? So it's got a bigger bore for the, for the two calipers. Nice. So pushes pushes more. It works perfect. You, know, you can stand it up on its front end. And the and top speed on that bike is probably 75. That's pretty good. It's not too shabby. Your pin, yeah. <laughs> Fun. That's rad. Well, hey, uh, we've been yapping for an hour, or so I got. Believe it or not, I still have stuff to do on my to-do list tonight before uh, before good, I can man. hit the sack. So I got to go. But it's been awesome catching up with you. And um, real quick, um, if anybody wants to catch you on social media, where you're, uh, is it okay to give it out? You're on yeah, sure. Instagram. It's, it's just Brian Honeycutt. H U N N I C U T T. I'm on Facebook primarily. I've yep. got an Instagram. I post some pictures, but primarily Facebook. I'm an old mm-hmm. man. So. so go check him out and look at some of these pictures he's talking about. You'll see almost every bike. Yeah. I got a lot of YouTube videos up also. So. Yeah. So go check these things out. And also. Um, stay safe up there. I know that you're not exactly on fire, but hell, who knows? If it's coming back toward me, maybe they'll come back toward you. So just stay safe and ride fast, and uh, we'll talk to you. Sounds talk to you good. later. All right, talk to you later. Yeah. All right, man. See you. Bye.
song make you feel my man moist moist my my moist 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 my mh my moist 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 what the don't you ever say that again on this show i warned you last time never never say those words on the show tobor uh hey instead of saying words like moist on the show let's remind everybody that uh, spooky spokes is coming up spooky spokes is a creative writings um listener submitted show and basically it is, uh, you sent us in some spooky stuff. It's called Spooky Spokes because you're supposed to go on a spooky ride or have a spooky ghost story. And leading up to Spooky Spokes, we are going to showcase some of the past uh, submissions so you have an idea of exactly what to expect, what you should send in, and my friends, um, if you uh, you send in and your story gets chosen by our panel of judges, you could win yourself some sweet moto swag. Uh, this year, we're going to have a couple hats. We're going to have some gift certificates to cycle gear. And if you are a, and not like a thousand bucks, don't get your pennies in a while. This is a cheap podcast from not even Burbank anymore. Um, 
but yeah, and, and a whole bunch of other crazy stuff. We're going to do some hand, uh, hand-drawn funny little things that I'm going to probably try to post up on um, our social media. We'll give you a bunch of stickers, probably a coffee cup or two that I have left over. And in the past, we've had these cute little bags that I painted with zombies on them, and I may give away one of those too. So we've got a lot of fun, cool stuff for you. Mostly you're playing for the Cycle Gear gift certificate, I know, because like that's the most valuable thing. But... Uh, don't let that influence what you uh, submit, stories that you submit. We've had some, uh, I want to say wacky, crazy ones before. If you want to know how to submit your story, let me tell you in a moment. Um, I'm going to just tell you right now. Um, go ahead and there's uh, several different ways to submit. One, you could just email the show, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com, a text uh, or a copy of your uh, story or tale, and we will read it. I will read it. I'll read it in, um, what's that guy's name? Uh, the anoint- Gilbert Gottfried. I'll read it in his voice. So you better just probably just record it and send it in yourself. Um, but yeah, it is a motorcycle-related spooky story, ghost story, uh, scary ride, scary ride to somewhere, um, scary ride to hell, who knows what the, what the hell it is. Um, you know, it's just based on something that you've done. In the past, we've had people talk about Holy Hill, and later... Someone emailed in and sent some pictures of Holy Hill in the daytime, and I got to tell you, it was still pretty creepy in the daytime. Uh, lots of snow, big old crazy church on the top of Holy Hill, lots of forest. It's nuts. Um, Chris Singsheim, actually, uh, before he was a patron saint of racing for the show, he was a uh, submit submitter, submissioner. He gave us a, a submission to Spooky Spokes, and it was pretty scary. It was about his ride around Holy Hill and just how crazy it was. Um, actually, we should, I should play that for you, except for that I read it because he sent it in. So uh, I'm going to play you one that one of our patrons uh, sent in. He goes by uh, Korax or Son of Korax on social medias. And that, I believe, is the binomial nomenclature for the raven or a crow. And it makes so much sense because here is his submission for Spooky Spokes a few years ago. Let's play it. And so you know what to do and uh, what to expect when you're submitting your story to creative writing, motorcyclepodcast at gmail.com. Back in the late 80s, a group of friends and I used to go out almost every weekend on dirt bikes, up logging roads and down cut lines and out through the hills up around where I grew up in Grand Prairie, Alberta. We were supposed to go out. It was a really chilly spring morning. And we were supposed to go out, load up our bikes, and head out, and then hit the roads. Most of the people, well, to be honest, all of the people jammed out on me that particular day because everybody said it was too cold. There was still snow on the sides of the roads. Roads were too wet and muddy, blah, blah, blah. A host of excuses. But I figured, well, you know, my bike was loaded. I figured I'd go out and do it. So I got out, unloaded the bike, and started tear, you know, tearing down logging roads just looking, just enjoying the spring, looking around, you know, and just being happy to be free. Well, I approached a corner that was coming up on a slight embankment of a hill, and I looked to my left and I seen what I can only describe as an inhumanly large owl, something that you just don't see in nature. 
Well, I was confused and I thought, well, I got to get a, you know, I got to take a better look at this. So I slammed on my brakes, came to a halt, looked up in the tree where the, where I had seen the owl. But at this point, the owl had gone. In its place was a raven. Blacker than I've ever seen a bird. Even to this day, all these years later, a black that almost seemed to drink in the light when it hit it. I swear that it winked at me as it took wing and flew off over the treetops. Well, now I'm confused. Did I missee the owl? Did I was I imagining the whole thing? Was it was it so cold that my brain had gone numb? Wasn't sure, but I decided to, you know, hit back out on the trails. Well, a lot of these logging roads, what they would do for bridges is they would take old CN rail cars take the trucks out from underneath them and lay them across river crossings. Some things could hardly be called rivers. They were fairly small, but this one joined up with a bigger river and upstream it came right out of, I believe, the mountains. And I'm sure at some point during the, the spring thaw, it must have busted loose some big chunks of ice from further up and it had completely wiped out the bridge. The bridge was laying, you could see, kind of half submerged in the water and just laying at a really bad angle. Now, if I hadn't looked up and if I hadn't seen that owl, raven, whatever it was, I would have went straight into the river and probably being so far from home and so far from civilization and having no friends around me, that would have been the end for me right then and there. So I think that's probably the creepiest thing that's ever happened to me in all my years of writing, and just thought I would share it with the Creative Writing listeners. Thanks very much, and have a good day. All right, all right. So now you know what to expect. Now you know when you're uh, sending in your submission why it's so important that it's you telling the story, not emailing some text to some crazy methamphetamine-riddled... You thought I was going to say me? No, I'm talking about Tobor. He's going to be reading them in his dumb robotic voice. So if you want it to sound good, you better send it yourself. So just go ahead and record it on your phone, record it on your PC, whatever, your laptop. Uh, Teach a parrot to talk, and I'll send you by uh, address, and you can hopefully send it to here. However you want to do this... Uh, yeah, creative writing podcast at gmail.com is the best way to mail your audio submissions. They can also be art. They can also be music. They can also be a scary picture that you drew, something like that. We'll put it all up on there. Um, it's it's not 100% like Salsa Slam. It works better if it's audio, but hell, we'll take anything in 2020. We'll take a, a ghost. If you're a ghost, you want to come be on the show and be like, yeah, I hunted a boyfriend for like 10 years. It wasn't so spectacular. You know what I'm saying? So whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll take you on the show. But anyway, Spooky Spokes, baby. It's going to be this year. I believe that uh, our shows used to come out on Fridays. Well, so, Tobar, are we going to be? He's checked out. He doesn't even care. He's reading Robot, Play Robot Monthly. Um, so anyway, uh, the show, I think, I'm pretty sure that Halloween's on a Saturday this year. So we should, we'll have this show out on, mm, we'll say Friday or that Saturday of Halloween. We try to get it as close to Halloween as possible. Um, so yeah, Friday would be a perfect day or even Saturday, depending on when when we're scheduled uh, to go out, if we are ever on GSXR uh 
600 FM the squid anymore. I have no idea. But at any rate, uh, maybe we'll just make our own show. We'll just try to throw it out there for you Halloween night, and then we'll get the votes in. You'll get to hear all the spooky, scary stories, and uh, we'll vote on them and uh, announce the winner like the next week or the week after, depending how things go. Uh, the last thing I have to say is if nobody submits anything, guess what? You're not going to get a show because that's uh, how it works. You submit stuff, we put it on the air. If nothing gets submitted, there's nothing to talk about. Uh, so you better submit something if you want there to be a show on October 30th. Otherwise, you just gave Junkie a day off. Um, and also, our patrons, Patreon supporters, you are already automatically entered Everybody at uh, five bucks and above, um, you're automatically entered into a uh, freebie. So just by being a patron, you're automatically entered once for a chance to win. Submit a spooky story. Guess what? You get two chances to win. And if you're the only person that submits something as a patron this year, guess what? You win both prizes uh, if nobody else submits anything. So anyways, with that, we're going to let you get out of here. Have a great week, whatever day this show goes out. Uh, Tobor, I think me and you, we need to just do this show ourselves. No more waiting around on Moto One. No more waiting around on GSXR 600 FM The Squid out of Burbank, uh, Los Angeles. Moist or moist? No, 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 no. You can't say that sort of stuff. Uh, I just want you to say, yes, let's do this. We can do this together, you and I. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, we'll put this out. And uh, hopefully it's before Friday. All right, everybody. Uh, with that, take it easy. Take it sleazy. I hope hope you get a chance to go back and watch Miranda Young Ghost Biker Explorations. I will put the uh, the website in the show notes. Thank you so much, uh, Brian Honeycutt, for coming on the show and just blabbing a little bit uh, just to get people revved up about uh, motorcycles and all the fun stuff you do. Hopefully next year, uh, if you're not running your own uh iron butt team for the motorcycle podcaster challenge you uh we can we can do that again that'd be awesome and uh if you're, if you're coming down for for the uh, spook tractor attack track day for a classic track day let me know we can hook up uh everybody have a good one and please submit something for spooky spokes tell a friend about the podcast um we're gonna try and get a regular schedule out here, but you know, with my work schedule, how crazy things have been, and Tobor is how moody and cranky. I think he's a t- he's going through a robotic teenage stint right now, so as cranky as he's been, hopefully we can get the show out to you guys and uh, everything awesome. So, all right, keep riding, everybody. Send us your stories. Let us know you're doing good. If you got any moto news, send it in. If you got some crazy event happening um, that hasn't been canceled by COVID, uh, let us know. And uh, with that, we out. Junkie. And what's your new name? You're going to call yourself what? Moist or moist? Mr. Moist? Moist or moist? All right. Me and Moist or moist. Out. Like a trout. Who's got gout? If ugly bikes were a crime. Host my bike coming Saturdays to Moto One Podcast Network and GSXR 600 FM The Squid from Burbank. <laughs>